and welcome to Women in the Business Arena, formerly known as the Liberation Lab. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Guzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Together, we dive into juicy topics relevant to women in business. We've learned through decades of being entrepreneurs how to conquer the business arena and achieve not just success, but fulfillment and liberation. We also believe that this is a continual journey of ups and downs, so we get honest, vulnerable, and real about what it takes to succeed. Think of this as joining our inner circle of women discussing the issues that matter and the strategies that will help you enjoy the ride. If you want to continue the discussion, join our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. We would love to hear from you. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm here with my gorgeous co-host, Laura Schuch-Guzman. Hey, Laura. Hey, how you doing, Sonia? I'm doing good. My kids are back in school, first day after school holidays. I am free. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good feeling. Yes, especially when it's been a while and they've been at home. Yeah. So, yeah. It's such, an, it's such an interesting thing. And so I think segmenting into our lovely topic today, we want to talk about mental health and business because I think there's not enough talking about what happens as business owners and how we can struggle with our mental health. And I'm actually going to let sort of Laura take it from here because this is so her area and, um, and we're going to have a great discussion about it. What do you think, Laura? Awesome. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is a topic that not only do I have a lot of passion for professionally, but I also personally um, am always reflecting on my own mental health journey. And there's nothing like being an entrepreneur to open you up and see your vulnerabilities, see where some of the personalities that you, personality traits that you thought or part of your creative skill set, um, you can also <laughs> have a shadow side and um, kind of turn into over overwork and addictive behaviors to work. And so, yes, so this is an interesting topic. And I think that the reason that I brought it um, up and I said to you, like, hey, let's talk about this, is that, you know, recently there have also been some high-profile suicides um, in the United States. Uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Berlain from the Food Network. Both of these individuals, you know, really kind of shocked um, the their fan base. I think people, um, they had a lot of people look up to them. And, and Kate Spade's brand um, was very vibrant and people associated her personality with her brand. And so we almost um, took it as a very, uh, almost personally, like, wow, you know, if this could happen to someone that we saw as so um, invincible and vibrant and out in the world and successful, then can it happen to me as an entrepreneur? Can it happen to my colleagues? So it sort of started a conversation I know here locally in Austin. And recently I actually attended a panel that was put together by a local incubator for startups and it was titled Mental Health and Entrepreneurship. And it had a panel of entrepreneurs and therapists. And so it's just been um, top of mind recently as well as just something I've thought about my entire entrepreneurial journey. So what about you, Sonia? Is that something that um, has always been something you've thought about or has it been something that you've realized that needs attention as you've gone through your journey as an entrepreneur? 
Well, I think this is really interesting. And this is what I was going to have you do as well, because I think we need to define mental health because I probably use different words. I don't think mental health is really the words I use. I might use mindset. I might use emotional struggles. I might use um, blocks that we have. Like, I think there's some interesting ways to look at it. And so I think it'd be awesome if you would sort of describe for us or tell us your definition of mental health, because I think that we often sort of, um, you know, think of it in terms of someone who's very extreme, you know, they're into deep depression, they're bipolar, you know, we sort of have these kind of ideas about mental health, but I think, you know, it's all about our mental state and being healthy. And I think that's something that we're all working on. So what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, it's a good place to start because mental health is a very large catch-all phrase and they're using it right now in the media. So if you want to learn about psychological profiles of entrepreneurs and you put in mental health and entrepreneurs, it's going to pull up a lot of articles that are speaking to psychological traits that entrepreneurs have or certain psychological vulnerabilities that we have as entrepreneurs. And like you said, there's a spectrum um, of emotion. So when we're thinking mental health, we use the word mental because we are thinking about what are our um, emotions, what's our cognitive thoughts around our emotions, what's sort of the um, the neurological spectrum of depression, anxiety. So it can be very wide. And you also hear a term called mental wealth. So people sometimes want a more positive instead of just, oh, well, let's work towards mental health. It's like mental wealth. Like how do we cultivate healthy mindset? How do we build resilience? So there's so many ways in which we talk about our emotional landscape as entrepreneurs. I think for, for today's topic, because it is a very broad one, I wanted to look at sort of the silence around entrepreneurship and mental health when it comes to the stigma um, the more the, the ones, the psychological, um, traits that are most stigmatized is entrepreneurs is depression actually mm. over anxiety because anxiety is kind of, um, something you can wear almost as that whole busyness as a badge or anxiety as a, you know, um, as a badge, even like you're just mm. kind of oh my God, I'm so busy and I'm so anxious and I'm drinking, ca- I know I'm drinking way too much coffee and, and people will kind of speak to anxiety because it's socially accepted that we're anxious, we're caffeined up, we're doing stuff, we're getting yeah. things done, right? We're on the rat race or the hamster wheel. But what is really hard to talk about is depression for entrepreneurs because depression means that you're probably really struggling with your creative output. You're feeling really overwhelmed and maybe um, pulling your bed covers up over your head. You're not networking. You're worried that the stakeholders or the public or the clients are going to perceive that you've just gone off the radar and that you're no longer reliable or, um, you know, good at what you're doing. So that was kind of top of mind. And we can go as always, Sonia, in any different direction because our conversations just kind of go as they will. But that was kind of what I was thinking is the silence around the pieces of mental health that we don't want to talk about because we're afraid of how we're going to be perceived. And we feel shame possibly around um, those certain symptoms or certain mindsets and behaviors. 
Yeah, look, definitely. And I think it ties a lot because, you know, if you look at sort of the, the definition, the, in the, you know, I always like to look at sort of dictionaries, but the definition, it talks about mental health as a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. And I think that's something we actually talk a lot about in this podcast. You know, we, we talk about, you know, where is sort of our psychological and emotional well-being and, and we dive into certain topics. But yes, I think when you look at things like depression or you look at things like our, when our emotional well-being is depressed, you know, so it's shut down or it's um, inward or, you know, we don't really want to be out in the world extroverted. You know, that's something that is very stigmatized in business in general. Like if you slow down, if you take time for yourself, if you do self-care, like all of those things are uh, frowned upon, if you will. Whereas like, exactly. I mean, I so agree that what you were saying about anxiety, you know, anxiety where we're overstressed, as long as we're in action, then it's perceived as okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll, you will definitely hear more entrepreneurs disclose that they feel anxious. They feel overwhelmed because, um, they're still, as long as they're still in action, like you said, and yes, and the definition speaks to both. It's the psychological symptoms, it's the emotional symptoms of what are we experiencing in our daily life? Why is it that as entrepreneurs, we wouldn't put our psychological well-being at the front? That's sort of the big question, right? It's like, if we're only as successful and as sustainable as our health and well-being, why is it that this piece is so hard to look at, to talk about? Um, and you know, one of those reasons is because what's socially acceptable is more of that entrepreneur that is always on the go, always hustling, maybe completely busy and scattered at times, but oh, so charismatic and extroverted and charming. You know, it's like this whole kind of, um, ideal entrepreneur is built up on what some researchers, researchers have looked at is kind of like the, the positive psychological attributes for entrepreneurs. They can be high, um, highly personable, great at relationship building. They can be risk takers. They can be really creative. And see, all of those things can be extremely positive. Um, but the challenge is that what if you put everybody, that expectation on every entrepreneur to be that type of entrepreneur? And then anytime you fall on the other side of that, and anytime the shadow symptoms come up of, you know, the opposite of those, then what do we do then? What do we do? How do we feel good about ourselves and not fall into shame when we're not feeling like we're fitting that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. And to me, I would say, you know, we can't sort of bypass this, uh, the look at the masculine and feminine either in this topic, right? Because again, it's those masculine attributes that are praised and rewarded. And, you know, even if they have anxiety or mental health issues in them, they're still accepted. Whereas the more feminine traits of going inward, of going deeper into ourselves, of being, of being quieter, of not being out there, you know, serving everyone and doing things, which is, can be a very feminine aspect to ourselves, that is also really frowned upon. So I think, I think it's interesting because I think this, this topic actually ties so much into sort of the masculine and feminine lenses that we've talked about as well. Oh yeah. That's a really good point because as you're saying, the emotional 
Um, the feminine side, often the strength of the feminine is that processing and allowing space for the self to go deeper instead of moving past, kind of pushing over and just getting things done, which is great when, when we need that masculine energy maybe to push through something as long as we give ourselves permission and space then to recover with that feminine power, the feminine strength and that intuition. And yeah, so if you just look at overall in society, if we don't value that side of business, if we don't value the slowing down, the pause, the being able to take care of yourself whenever you need to without that looking like you're lazy or you're disengaged or, you know, all the different things that get interpreted. So I'm glad that you're bringing that that thread into the the conversation because it kind of just is a double compound. So not only do we have mental health stigma, but we also have the feminine business stigma. And so if you need to heal and process with the feminine, and then you've got that double whammy. What do we yep. do? Yeah. And then that that's why so many women are getting burnt out and so many women are getting to sort of worse mental health because we are not allowing for that space and we're not allowing for what we actually need. And I, I this has been a big realization for me in some of the books that I've been reading, which I've talked about before in this podcast, you know, I sort of use the Judith Dirk books, which we've um, talked about a few times, is sort of these like Bibles for me at the moment, because I feel like they're one of the few books that actually talk about the feminine in such a powerful way. And she specifically talks about depression. And she says that, you know, a lot of why depression hits women is because they've refused to go inside. They refuse to deepen themselves and to understand their core. They've spent so much time exhausting themselves in the masculine that it's almost like the body retreats into depression because they're forced to be. Now, not everybody accepts that, right? Then, they, then they'd then use the drugs or the different things in order to, to sort of continue to bypass what's really necessary. But it's really interesting perspective she has on depression and how, you know, if we allow ourselves that space to actually be, to actually go deeper, to just sit, to not be productive, to not have to go outward, um, that that really shifts and changes our world. Yeah. No, I, I have seen that in my practice. And what I've really noticed is with um, chronic illness and especially um, <clears throat> diagnoses, medical diagnoses like fibromyalgia, um, you know, the, the doctors have been scratching their heads and trying, and, you know, for a long time, women were just told that they were being, um, it was psychosomatic. It was just all in their head. Um, yet their physical bodies are not, um, they're shutting down. They're not able to find energy levels to do the things that they used to do and all of these different aches and chronic pain coming up. And what's really interesting is that um, I began to notice a similar story. So most of these women who developed um, fibromyalgia in their 50s and 60s led a very, either um, a life in which they were always denying their own truth um, to serve others and to please so always discounting their needs to make sure that their family was taken care of or they were in a very highly uh, pressured job in which they always had 
to do what was best for the team or they were trying to impress the boss, never being able or even in an entrepreneurship situation where they were denying their own true self constantly in service of the bigger um, picture or the bottom line. So it's like all of this energy constantly being in the body and not being cared, not, not being cared for so that it is like carrying around a weight in, in your body and your body eventually goes, wait, I'm really exhausted from carrying around all this extra energy that doesn't serve us. And so now I'm going to start to break down, you know, and it's so insane that our medical model doesn't even validate that for women and continues to tell them that they're just crazy to yeah. use, you know, um, right. to just be like, yep, yeah, sorry. Uh, you're just psychosomatically creating this all in your head because there's no evidence in your blood work. We're not seeing anywhere in your body that we can actually show that there's a problem. But energetically, it's a, it's a big, big problem. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I think that this is why we need to talk more about this topic and, you know, sort of shift and change the stigmas. But also, I think women, we need, a, we need to be voicing more of what we're experiencing and more of what's needed because we're so shamed for being women, for, for needing the things that we need, for needing space, for needing to go inward, for needing to stop. You know, because really, like, and this is the piece that I've been integrating in my own life over the last year and really looking at and really working with my clients on is that we actually need to slow down. Like we are, we are on a crazy train going towards a train wreck of like our bodies and our mental health as women, because we are trying to function so much outside our capacity, which is one of the things we were talking about, you know, last week. And I think, you know, this is where we've really got to um, wake up and look at where are we going and we need to slow down and we need to stop and we need to, to take care of ourselves and we need to really look after our mental health. I mean, this is so important. Yes. Yeah. And one of the, you know, the, the, risks of entrepreneurs for mental health. And so women having this risk is that we are often um, more isolated. This is something we talk about all the time, more isolated, more isolated than we realize um, within our, um, it's not just the home office. It's not just, I am working alone, literally, but even just when we go out to be in the world, we're representing our business. And we become really sometimes um, an, like we have an unhealthy relationship with our business where we take on that identity. And so when you go out into the world, it can still feel very isolating when you're carrying all of this burden and responsibility of a company and you can't talk to anybody about anything except how awesome you're doing. And so, right. So entrepreneurs are around people like say they are an extroverted person and they're going to the networking meetings. They've joined a co-working space. They're doing all of these different things to get their business out in the world, but it can still be extremely isolating, especially as the solo entrepreneur. You don't have a partner to talk to. You don't have anybody that's holding the same stakes as you're holding. And if you feel like being honest, you are afraid that people will judge not only you, but your business. Yes. And so that level of isolation is extreme. I'm, I'm only guessing, but when I thought, when I read the story of Kate Spade, that's what I imagined for her. I was like, can you imagine the level of isolation she must have felt being at that 
top level and struggling with her emotions. And who at that point do you talk to when you're probably just her therapist, if she was seeing a therapist, you know, but it's really hard the higher you are and the more successful you are even to talk about it. Yeah. And it's even hard to talk to your friends and your partner, right? Because I think that a lot of women are afraid to share with their partner their struggles because then their partner hits fear around it or they are, they start to think about, well, are you going to lose money? Like, you know, so they, they put everything in the money frame, you know, are, and I think that that becomes really hard then to even talk to our partners or to talk to our friends who might judge us, who might, who, already might think it's best if we go get a job and stop being an entrepreneur or, you know, or like, I know other women who feel like they've been told over and over again, they should just be with their kids. They shouldn't have a job or work. And so I think, you know, yeah, it becomes isolating and then you have to find, okay, well maybe there's some entrepreneurs who understand what I'm experiencing, but then you get into circles of entrepreneurs and no one's being transparent and no one's being honest and no one's being vulnerable. And I think this is what we keep perpetuating and social media as well. You see all this stuff on social media and everybody's putting their like, you know, sort of good side first. And, and so you constantly see, oh, everybody's doing so well. And, and it's just bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I was, I'm over here. Like if you could see me, I'm just like, yes, because I was just thinking about that too. And I had a conversation with my husband about this. I told him, I admitted to him that I was withholding certain stresses as of late because when I talk to him, I see him stress about it as well. And then I don't get to just vent and feel seen and supported because he starts reacting. It actually turned out to be a really great conversation where he said he had, he had already noticed that and he had noticed that it wasn't helping me that he would get his, in his own fear. And in, and he said in wanting to rescue me, he, he wants it to be better right away. When I start saying how I'm really feeling overwhelmed, he wants to make that go away. And that's not always, um, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm needing him to be able to really empathize and hear what I'm saying. So it was a good conversation. I think if any of the listeners are having that um, issue right now with a close friend or family member, it might be worth it just to see if you can bring that up to to talk to them a little bit about that. Because in my case, um, it was really, I was pleasantly surprised to realize like he already had (laughs) already noticed that. Um, But you know, we've been married for some time now and he met me as an entrepreneur. So he's been watching this unfold. But I think that um, that's often well, the well-meaning loved one. They will say, well, it's okay. You can stop. You can stop any day and you can just go back and get a job. And you, yeah. you know, and they think yeah. they're being so supportive. And you're like, no, I'm not looking for the exit sign. I'm looking for how do I stay this path? and find creative solutions and ask for help? And will people tell me that it's normal? I think that that's what we are looking for when we're looking for that transparency is that we just want to ask, is anybody else dealing with this or is it just me? Because if it's just me, then maybe I am not cut out to be an entrepreneur is where our mind starts to go. If it's just me, then there's something wrong with how I'm doing business. If you find out that there are so many the many of the similar issues, then you start to realize, oh, okay, it's not me. It's this journey and we're all on it. And it's okay that it can feel this way sometimes. Like, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for is that, is this normal? <laughs> you know? 
Yep. I totally agree. And I think, you know, this is why I try to have more and more of these conversations, even in my um, program and with my clients, because I think, you know, we're so quick to judge ourselves. I think women in general are so quick to turn it in on themselves. Oh, see how good everyone's doing. I'm the failure. See, something's wrong with me. See, see, I must have issues. Um, I'm not cut out for it. And I think that's so easy to turn around. And then it's, that really can sort of lead to a lot more mental health problems is that, that shame and that, that fear that something's wrong with us and the way that we beat ourselves up and all of that affliction that we have on ourselves, I think that really takes us down the path to, you know, more issues with mental health. Yeah. And for women, it's more prevalent if we experience, um, if we're experiencing that feeling of shame or feeling sad, we're feeling angry, then we actually turn it inward. We're more likely to turn that on ourselves, develop like eating disorders, um, work addiction, um, you know, those types of over, overworking, overfunctioning, like those are all things that um, we turn in on ourselves and also can lead to really severe depression and suicide for women. And men turn their experiences often out. Um, so that's why you see them get more angry. They might have outbursts. They may have, you know, um, conflicts with people in their company. Um, and so they're acting there's more outwardly. So sometimes people notice that and can come in and offer some solutions. With women, we're often over-functioning so well that people don't have any clue that we're struggling until we're really, really struggling, like on the edge, you know? Yes. Look, I can totally relate to that. I think, you know, a lot of us have become survivors in different ways, you know, whether it's um, childhood trauma or things that we, you know, took on. I think women have learned to survive and we've learned to have tremendous amounts of capacity um, an over-functioning that we're able to handle a lot of challenges as they come. And so, yeah, when we break, we break. Like it's, it's this full on, you know, we, it's like almost like there's so many red flags or signs that should allow us to stop way earlier on, but we just keep taking it and taking it and taking it and taking it and taking it. And then eventually we like really crash out. I know that that's true for me as well. Like I'm, I have an ability to really overfunction. Like it's, you know, I've, I've treated it as a badge most of my life. Like I'm a survivor. I'm amazing. I can, you know, overfunction. Like it's amazing. And it's been this thing that I've used for my ego, right? Like it's, it, I'm amazing that I can overfunction. But the truth is when I crash or when I fall, it's really bad. And, and so I need to, and I've had to learn over time actually to stop earlier and to recognize the moment I start to overfunction. And, you know, it's a, it's kind of a lifelong journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, for many of us, it's kind of a chronic behavior um, that was very adaptive early on. And, um, you know, depending on your early childhood environment, like many of us had to kick that in early because maybe there weren't parents around that were doing as much of that, or you're, you know, just a, a child that's very driven. And so we start to, um, you know, do these patterns from a very young age. And we can do that when we're younger because our body does have a tendency to just keep pushing and keep doing what it 
can to keep up. And then we start noticing. So people will report breaks, you know, in their physical health in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and later, because it, depending on how much you've been pushing your body, um, the body can only take that for about 30 plus years. And for some people a little bit longer into their 40s or 50s. Um, but that's kind of where you see a lot of people transition. And the reason I'm really passionate about mental health and entrepreneurship too, is because I see a pattern for people exiting the world of like the corporate world working for environments and organizations that they felt were toxic and not supporting their health and wellness. So they decide I'm going to leave that and I'm going to forge my own path and I'm going to become an entrepreneur in control of my environment. And I'm going to make all these great decisions and for my health (laughs) and guess what we do because we're humans and it's hard to break habits. We take that mentality that was, you know, taught to us and we start to imprison ourselves within that glorified grind. Like we're still doing it. We're still glorifying that. We're still wearing that busy badge. We're still doing all those things because that is what we learned. So it, this goes to all of your work on mindsets, Sonia, because then it takes this intentional awareness, right? That, okay, I'm going to shed those old habits, but I have to do that with intention. And then I have to be really mindful of what I'm bringing in. And I have to notice that I'm going to be uncomfortable doing it differently, that I'm going to feel awkward around it. People are going to judge me because they're used to seeing me as like type A over function, get it done, you know, (laughs) and all of a sudden I'm telling them that I can't get back to them for two weeks because I'm taking a sabbatical for a yoga retreat or whatever (laughs) you're doing, you know, and like people are going to notice and there's going to be some pushback. And so I just want us to talk more about that that's normal to, to go through change and that we can create an entrepreneurial um, path for ourselves with that intention, with more focus on our health and well-being. I do 100% believe that it's possible and I still am challenged from time to time because of my responsibilities as a mom and as a partner and as a community advocate. I'm just very active in my community. So there are going to be times that I fall into my patterns of overscheduled, over busy. <laughs> and then my body tells me now a lot more sooner than later. Um, but it's time to rethink what I'm doing. And like today, I had to tell someone that I can't deliver something that I wanted to be able to do. And they were disappointed and I felt really yucky. But then it felt super... Um, super important. And it felt like a act of self-care, right? To just say, I just have to be transparent and tell you, I don't have a bandwidth. Like I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I think this is, it's so good because what we need to be talking about is the, is the internal and the external, right? Like there is a lot of stuff in the world, the structures that are built, the way entrepreneurship is designed, you know, it is all very busy and busy work and all of that. But so many of those internal patterns that you were talking about, they're what's driving us and it is habitual. And I think that that's also something we have to talk about because it's not going to change overnight. And I think this is, this is something that happens a lot, say in my program, like people come in and they're 
and I'm teaching them a completely different way to operate their business, to operate more in the feminine, to slow down, to operate more deliberately. They're going to have a lot more success in the long run when they do this. But, you know, at first, the habits to be busy, the habits to fill their time, the habits to go out and do more, you know, social media marketing and all of these things that are not really in alignment with what I'm teaching. It's like, it's so habitual and it takes a lot of time and a lot of awareness and a lot of practice to shift and change those habits. And I think we need to be more kind and patient with ourselves because what happens is we beat ourselves up for not being more busy. We beat ourselves up for slowing down. Like there's just really this beat ourselves up for everything that isn't perfect or that isn't what we think society wants or that we, you know, isn't up to our own standards. And I think there needs to be some more, um, acceptance that these changes, like most of us have had habits and indoctrinations and societal demands that have been existing for our whole lives, you know, that habits are going to change and they're going to change slowly. And it's going to, you know, sometimes take a long time to really solidify new habits of slowing down, of being more aware of self-care. And so it's just taking it step by step, but I think we need to sort of acknowledge that. Yeah. And that's, yeah, if I can underline anything in what you just said, it's being more gentle, being compassionate, being kind with ourselves. We're doing our best and being an entrepreneur, like you and I have said in many episodes and illustrated in many different examples, it is a challenging road. It's a, it's not for the faint of heart. It's extremely rewarding, yet it's important to be um, aware that it's going to challenge you. It's going to put you in stressful situations. So the way that we practice resiliency as entrepreneurs is we build our support systems. We find people that will talk to us about what's really going on, that will admit when they are feeling anxious or depressed or overwhelmed, um, that there's no shame in, in knowing that we sometimes have to take psychotropic medication. There's no shame in being able to say that there are some days that I have to step away from my company and do whatever I have to do before I can come back and be fully healthy and present. You know, in all of these things, if we can continue to acknowledge and support for each other, I think that we can start to see a shift in that stigma um, of people feeling like it's okay um, to talk about. That's my hope, right? That we will continue. And that's the whole point of our podcast and why I was so excited when you approached me to talk about these topics, because we know that many of us are just struggling with the same things and we're not talking enough about them. So getting real and pulling back the curtain um, and being able to, to say, you're not alone. You're not alone and you're not imagining any of it and it's real, but yet there's other people who get it and there's support and there's resources. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, what, what we're talking about is the need for integration and self-care. Because I think that, you know, we think we can just keep going and going and going and doing and doing and doing and action and action and action. And this is what we do in business. And we don't allow the space for the integration. But it's like anything, there's an ebb and a flow required, right? You know, like the the ocean, the tide comes in and it comes out. The moon goes up, you know, like we see the moon and then we don't see the moon. The sun comes up and down. Like there's these cyclical, uh, you know, patterns in nature. And I think this is also true for ourselves, especially 
especially women. Like we're, we're cyclical. We have a menstruation cycle, you know, we have all of these things. And so it's like, we have to take action and then we have to integrate. We have to take action and then we have to integrate. But if you don't allow that space for the integration, then that's really where the mental health breaks down. And I think that this is what we want to bring to light. I don't know anyone who doesn't need more integration. I definitely always need more integration. And so I think that, you know, when we talk about integration, it's like the ability to um, to heal and to accept things inside of ourselves that we've been pushing down, to heal old wounds and trauma. I mean, these are some of what we're talking about integration, to become more whole, to become more um, aware of ourselves. Like these are all things that lead to our power, that lead to our success in entrepreneurship. And I think, you know, we're, we're you know, going to wrap up this episode, but I think what we really want to bring to light is that, you know, it's not okay to stay in silence. Like it's okay to be quiet or it's okay to go inward. It's okay. Like we highly recommend that. But as far as feeling like you can't talk about where you are, that you don't have the ability to voice your concerns or to, you know, voice what you're struggling with or to, to voice these things that are, you know, regarding your mental health. Like we need more safe spaces. And I think you've got to find a safe space for you to be able to express, you know, what you're really feeling to express any signs of, you know, sort of, um, self-harm or self-struggle or, you know, any of these things regarding your mental health, like we need more safe spaces and more transparencies that we all struggle. We all feel fear. We all crash down. Like these are something that we're all experiencing. Yes. And just remembering that, you know, reaching out to someone, you know, loves you and let them know that you need help. I think that we forget that we can ask for help. And then later when things happen, our loved ones are saying, gosh, how did I not know? Well, we just are sometimes simply afraid to share it. So sharing with someone or calling up someone you love and checking in on them when you know they've just launched um, a new you know, aspect of their business. Or I just think we being mindful that we are all going through a lot in our businesses and picking up the phone and our text message, just like, Hey, this must be a tough week. Like, let me know if you need something, if you need to talk, right. Just like putting it out there and acknowledging it, um, for one another. And hopefully that's what we've done today by just bringing up the conversation that it's so important and entrepreneurs are at a bit of a higher risk because we do tend to operate in isolation. We do tend to stress ourselves out beyond, you know, kind of pushing ourselves past our normal limitations. There's a stigma that challenges us to be able to speak honestly about our um, vulnerabilities. And, um, and in the, in the shadow side of that really high genius, intellectual, creative side is a dark fall sometimes. <laughs> um, so just remembering, you know, those, those things make us vulnerable, but not, um, at risk if we're able to continue to be caring for ourselves and asking for help. And I'm not sure if maybe we can add this to, um, to uh, some content at the end of the call, Sonia, but there are just, you're in Australia, I'm in the United States, so there are different numbers, but I just want everyone to know there's so many ways confidentially that you can call. There's 24-hour, you know, um, seven days a week crisis hotlines in the United States. There's also text where you can just a text line where you don't even have to 
find the words. You can speak a text to some um, to this number that will allow you to get some help. So just reminding everyone that there are confidential anonymous spaces where those people will not know you. They don't know what your business is. They don't have your Instagram account and they can (laughs) sit on the other end of that line and just provide some support and some resources for you. Absolutely. I think this is fantastic. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can dive into more of the conversation in our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. You can also access all of our episodes and some great resources at womeninthebusinessarena.com. Our mission is to arm more women with the tools, strategies, and know-how to navigate the business arena with ease so they can create more success, more fulfillment, and more liberation. If you're enjoying the show and want to support our mission, you can write a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who commented, reviewed, and shared our show. We are so appreciative of your support. Okay, talk to you next week.